Hi everyone, welcome to the cooldown room where we talk all things Formula One. I'm here with Josh Rebel, um, who's just had a drink. Um, so hi Josh, if you could introduce yourself, that would be great. Yeah, morning, uh, evening, wherever you are. Uh, Josh Rebel here, owner of uh, one of the uh, F1 YouTube channels that are w way too big for its own good. Um, <laughs> just talking all good things about Formula One and yeah, that's... In a nutshell what i do basically just talk f1 and somehow getting by with it cool um i may have been pronouncing your name wrong this whole time uh, <laughs> is it josh Ravel? uh it's it's kind of both it's a bit like if you would ask charlotte how do you pronounce his name he's fine with sort of either pronunciation right. uh uh a lot of people say Ravel, and it's just like well i'll lean into that Okay, that's what cool. I am now. So. That sounds fancy. But either, so. <laughs> one, either one is either one is fine. So yeah, um, you're from New Zealand, obviously. Um, maybe if you could tell people a bit what that's like um, compared to the European experience, perhaps. Obviously, it's a bit of a different time zone. Being a Formula One fan in New Zealand is Dante's 18th level of hell. <laughs> um, it is pretty much. I mean, you got to remember as well, like. I'm into obviously Formula Two, Formula Three, all that stuff. I always watch that, um, you know, stuff as part of sort of the weekly diet of you know what's in Formula One, but also what's coming up to Formula One. And that program would start at about like seven, eight p.m. depending upon the day, um, and like it would end basically when the sun's coming up like i know um for saudi arabia for example it's either on at 3 or 4 a.m as the race starts for formula one and either side of that you got formula two and formula three races so it's just like great <laughs> so you have to shift your uh, sleep cycle completely for for those race weekends we talk about um new zealand australia kind of time zone that brings us to one of the new rookies this year, Oscar Piastri, um, who's going to be joining the grid after quite an anticipated wait. This guy is one of the most anticipated rookies in years. Um, and um, a lot of aspects scream out um, similarities with Jan Magnussen's um, Formula One anticipated debut, which... The connoisseurs of Formula One will know who didn't really go so well. Um, there is quite a bit uh, to, you know, the fact that he's already, you know, had such a presence already and he's never turned a lap yet, um, you know, in a, in a Grand Prix uh, race or qualifying session. Um, the, thing, the thing ultimately that's going to be interesting is that I don't know if there's been this much uh, this much sort of anticipation, um, sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? But pe people are really looking at this kid at the moment, and they're expecting things of him. And he's walking into a McLaren team that's been notoriously tricky to some select drivers. You think like. No one in their wildest dreams would have thought that Stoffel Van Dorn or Daniel Ricciardo would drown there, but they did, for whatever the reasons may be. So, 
there's no guarantee, but we do know that there's a weight of expectation on Piastri's shoulders. So I'm kind of looking at the whole thing going, how's this going to play out? Like, we just don't know. But it's obviously, you know, like, it's, it's probably going to be one of the more interesting aspects, really, of the, um, of the season. Because if he comes in and drowns, you know, it could be viewed as a Formula One bust. But if he comes in and potentially beats Lando, he looks like a million dollars. So, who knows? Yeah, it's going to be very make or break for him. And I think he's going to have a lot of pressure, like you said. Um, you mentioned Stoffel Van Dorn and Daniel Ricciardo, obviously two very recent cases of drivers failing to reach um, the, expect- the expectations at McLaren. Why do you think that is? Like, what is it about McLaren that you think is causing like very good drivers such a problem i don't know like there's (laughs) the thing with motorsport is that there's the official story and the unofficial story right so like officially that it could be as simple as they're not getting to grips with the car unofficially there could be things behind the scenes that we're not aware of um i'm not trying to put a tinfoil hat on here or anything (laughs) like that but um my point is is that I don't know if we really know the full story about what's going on there. Only that some insiders were saying things, uh, in Van Dorn's case, saying things to the effect of, I can't believe what happened there. It's like, well, what did happen there? Like, well, I'm simply now, putting we, we a tinfoil hat on. <laughs> yes. So it's, you know, like, we are a bit unsure about all of this for sure. Like, I don't know, it seems to be very, it seems to be, you know, sort of, you're either you're either a hero or a zero when you go to that McLaren team at the moment. Um, so I guess I'm not entirely certain because I never really observed Piastri's driving style, you know, intently. Like that's going to be a one of the more crucial factors for him going over there. It's like how is he how's he going to deal with the car? Which is you know. Accordingly, it didn't. Um, it wasn't to Daniel's Daniel's liking. So, yeah. Well, it worked for Piastri. I feel like McLaren is a team that, at the moment, is very Lando focused. I think they very much are trying to keep Lando as their their golden boy, and you know, make sure he's potentially in position to win a championship with them in the future. Similarly to what we've seen at Red Bull with them favouring Max. And then we've also seen Red Bull second drivers like Alex, Pierre, um, kind of fail in a way similar to Daniel and Stoffel have. Mm. Um, I guess with these parallels, do you think it's likely that McLaren could reach a level similar to Red Bull and that Lando could be in a position to win a championship? It depends upon really what they're going to do uh, overall depends upon you know exactly how much money is going in toward the development of the car circumstances getting the regs right there's a lot of aspects to this um and then becoming focused purely toward lando you know some people view that as a bad thing i don't you know i'm i'm sort of the person that says like if you got someone in there there's absolutely world-class driver and you know that they could be the world champion if you put everything behind them and do it like a lot of teams throughout the history of formula one have done that exact thing um yeah. 
you know, like, so logically you would endeavor to do that um, at some point during the season, obviously. Um, so, yeah, with McLaren, it's a bit different. Don't quite have the funding that the top three teams do. Um, but they're back in the right horse anyway, if they do go down that road. Although, you know, that would have been during the time where Daniel's still there. We're still waiting to see how Piastri pans out. But yeah, yeah it's sort of we're we're sitting here um uh, we're sitting here a month away from the green light going out, and we're just all just like, oh, what's going to happen? It's a complete like, mystery at the moment. I think that's what makes it so exciting because we just don't know what's going to happen, and we can't guess. Like even with Piastri, we know he's a good driver. He's got the credentials. If I remember correctly, he won Formula Three and Formula Two. That's yeah. No so he he won um Formula Regional European then F3 in his first year, and F2 in his first year. In terms of progression, there's not many better junior careers out there, yeah. you know, that I can think of. Um, so, like, yes, he may have had the best teams, um, but at the same time, if you have a look at the drivers who were in those teams, it's like he beat prospects the entire way who were in their second years. Yeah. And he came in his debut year, and off he went. Yeah, and it's not easy to do that. I mean, we've seen drivers like maybe Teo Pocher kind of struggle to get to grips mm. straight away um, and have to take several years. I think he's going for his third year mm. now. And I mean, it, it's, the, the circumstances yeah. do differ, obviously, because obviously, like, it is a bit hard for Teo to progress if, if every third lap the engine is becoming overly French. You know, it, it is <laughs> somewhat hard. Engine. It is. It is a bit. It is somewhat hard yes. to overtake cars when you're currently when your engine's going glug, 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 the whole time. Yeah. But like, I mean, yeah, progress is relative. Obviously, you know, like, I mean, like, like I said, there was we were talking about Jan Magnussen there for a second. I remember in his British F3 days, which you know, British F3 back then was the championship. Um, you know, so. He was there. He won an absurd amount of the races. And everyone's like, this guy's the new center. Didn't quite work out that yeah. way. Um, you know, so... Um, Jos Verstappen also had a great um, junior career. And then came in and he just got bulldozed by uh, Michael Schumacher. Ruined his reputation. Never really recovered. Um, no, Van Dorn too. I mean, again, like this, this circumstances around all of these, yes, it's not as clear cut as they came in. They weren't fast enough for Formula One. Um, the point I'm trying to drive home is, is that there's no guarantees in any of this, you know? So someone who comes in with a bad junior career can hit prosperous heights simply because, you know, they either acclimatize well to the sport or they just hit a lucky break. Or uh, someone who can have a um, great junior career come in and hit, exactly the opposite uh to that and just stick the joint up and two three years later he's gone but yeah, yeah it's 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 all up in the air but one, one thing's for sure is it'll be either extreme i think for piastri he's either gonna sink or swim right what he's gonna no, swim or drown i think <laughs> swim or drown yes pretty much <laughs> um Piastri, obviously, you mentioned his very good junior career. 
There is something that's a bit different though with some drivers. So for example, George Russell just came straight through one Formula 2 then went straight to F1. Piastri is a bit different in that he's had to have basically a gap year against his will. Um, and he's not had any, I don't think, any racing during that time. Not that I'm no. aware of. He has been involved with Formula 1. Obviously, we've seen him on the F1 feed. He's been doing some testing and some simulator work. But how would how do you think his lack of racing in the last year is going to affect him coming into F1? Not a huge amount. I think just um, in race trim, he might be a tad rusty because you'd be out for a year. It does get a bit noticeable. Um, you know, it's not as if he'll forget how to race, but, um, you know. He needs to warm up a bit. <laughs> well, just sort of remember that it's it's a standing start, not a rolling start, and, you know, things are like. Yeah. No, I think the, um, in terms of race, in terms of race trim, you know, one or two races, three, whatever, like he'll, he'll be sort of in the groove. Um, that's just in general. When it comes to, you know, full on getting to grips with how Formula One races are, um, with any driver, I don't really start giving them crap until about a year and a half, two years into their venture. Um, if you go into one FP one session, you see they end up in a wall and say, "Oh, that's proof they don't they can't drive." Yeah, you know that's I wouldn't. That, that is completely unfair. <laughs> like FP one, for example, like practice sessions in general, that's the time for the drivers to push the limits. You need to find out how fast can I go into this corner, how late can I break. Practice is the perfect time to have a spin to put it in the gravel mm. a bit. Maybe not. Yeah, put well, it I mean, in the wall, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you you are sort of trying to understand whereabouts you know the car is that we can try to set it up as well as you can with the simulations the previous the you know the data they have from previous rounds at each you know at each circuit that they go to um they got so many things where the drivers and teams are prepped as well as they can be heading into uh, a race weekend um in terms of just getting fully into the groove of these circuits it takes you three four five laps you know in fp1 before you're like okay i'm about there um then from there on in you're like okay we're setting up for qualifying and we're setting up for the race here and you've got three sessions to to do that um which is challenge enough for the seasoned f1 driver yeah. when you're coming in trying to learn a lot of this stuff um it's a bit more tricky yeah, um, and a matter but, of knowing but, yeah. what to say to get the most out of the car as well, like knowing exactly which points to highlight. Someone like Lando is obviously going to be a lot better at communicating with the team, while someone like Oscar has to learn all of that on top of mm. learning just everything about Formula One and getting back to grips with the tracks. And obviously he'll be going to a lot of new tracks he's never driven at before. Well, that's the interesting thing, though, isn't it? Because Alpine took him to a lot of those tracks um, last year before uh, he and Otmar had that massive uh, fit, you know? Yeah. Um, before that, they were taking him to all these tracks that he's never driven at before um, and put him in a car. They just got him got him race prepped, uh, or at least got him sort of familiar with, like, okay, the breaking point into, into the hairpin at Red Bull Ring is here as opposed to an F2 car, which is half 
halfway down the road. Um, sort of understanding how the car pivots, you know, exactly how to, you know, how to maneuver it, stuff like that. It's, it's not quite as easy as plugging in F1 2022. Yeah. Although, although the differences in between those ones, at least in real life, the, the, the damn car doesn't crash on you. But yeah, like, I think, you know, it won't be as difficult um, for PS3 to get to tune with every aspect as opposed to other drivers. Because um, the prep has been there. You know, uh, in terms of uh, testing time, stuff like that, apparently he's been on the pace or faster than other people in the team at both... Uh, at, well, no, at Alpine. I'm not sure about McLaren. Because he did do the Abu Dhabi Young Drivers Test, did he? Yes, I think he did. Right. And I think I the think times were let, there too. They let Oscar go to McLaren so that they could have a spot open for Gasly from... And, uh, they did a bit as, of a merry-go-round situation, so basically everyone yeah. was where they needed to be, as far as I remember. Yeah. So, but yeah, I remember... I remember someone telling me that uh, at Alpine he was faster than uh, it was at the very least the times were were impressive so that's good yeah um, so look everything seems to be there for uh, for him to be successful the only problem is is that you know like I said he's just got a weight of expectation on his head now so yeah. <laughs> Do you I don't, I don't think know. if he was coming into, I don't know, any any scenario, it doesn't really matter which team, but if he was coming into Formula One with a teammate that wasn't Lando, um, I don't know, say someone like Esteban Ocon, just someone completely random, do you think there would be maybe less pressure on him? Do you think it's going to be like more of a problem for Oscar that he's got someone so talented as Lando that he's up against? I don't think so, because I think, you know, um, one could argue that having Lando as a teammate may lend sympathy to him in case results aren't quite there. Um, whereas, you know, like, I know we were just talking about random drivers, but you, you go up against Ocon. Uh, Ocon's dude who's bad underappreciated at the moment. I like, completely agree. <laughs> he, he, he took the fight to the Lord of the Eyebrows, and that guy's destroyed more careers than anyone I've ever known. You know, like... Um, like Alonso is the Aaron Rodgers of Formula One, and like if you're going up against him and you can compete against him and you can really get on his nerves, um, we know someone else who did that before in the past is Lewis, and we know how high a regard we hold Lewis, you know. So going up against Ocon, not as appreciated as Lando, but you're going to have just as hard a time as if you were going up against him. But without but, the appreciation, really, for what you're doing. Yeah. So, I mean, if you were to be slightly drowning against Lando, people would be like, oh, well, it's Lando, you know? Like, talent, talented kid, one of the best drivers on the grid. We can understand that. Against Ocon, probably not going to be as friendly a reception. Yeah, it does depend. I think, you know, going up against any one of these 19 other drivers, you would get a different challenge. If you were to go up against, uh, if you go up against Albon, it would be tough. But 
he wouldn't try to beat you into the ground mentally if you went up against say max or lewis or any one of just the world-class special drivers good luck <laughs> um you know so it's it, they do present their you know different challenges for sure yeah i think lando probably does fit into that category of like i want to be world champion and i realize to be world champion you can't be one either so yeah like probably won't be at, i mean I'm, I'm not saying there'll be hostility but it won't be a case of you know here's my data for example no just just you know here's my setup take my setup it won't be quite as simple as that yeah um so again i'm rambling on a bit but okay. i think over i think overall having lando as a teammate probably not as much of a burden as some people may think it is um but as i say no such thing as a free lunch it yeah. will still be tough for him yeah, that was really well explained thank you <laughs> um so you mentioned albon actually there um yeah. let's talk about another rookie this year logan Sargent. um he's mm. coming into williams honestly i don't know a lot about this guy i've seen him race in formula two um he seems decent how do you think he's gonna fare against albon he's really gonna push him and i hold both those guys to high regard like yeah. i remember i remember people were lost in confidence for albon in 2020 and trust me i know <laughs> yes and uh, the, the whole time I'm like look his form's not good right now but this dude can drive like something that's actually very interesting about this williams lineup is i don't know if people have actually tapped into it as far as i know or uh, I'm, I'm i'm assuming this is the only this is the only f1 team on their grid right now that has two world karting champions as their drivers Ooh. so Okay. Um, that's, I didn't know it's an Sergeant interesting, was one. Yeah. yeah, Sergeant won the um, CRK Junior Championship in 2015. Wow. I should know that stat because I'm doing a video on him right now. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so, like, it, um, the thing is with Sergeant is there is there are a couple of aspects which I'm a bit uncertain about with regards to... Um, I'm not certain on race pace. It's there's some there's something that's kind of lacking. What's not lacking is one lap pace. Um, and as anyone knows, you know, you look at his junior career, and boy, special over one lap. Um, I think he got the most pole positions in F3 in his Prima year, more than Piastri did. I think I'm assuming. I'm probably wrong, but he was always fast i think he was all i think he always out qualified his teammate and i hold liam to high i hold liam lawson to high regard which is rare for me to rep a new zealand driver um <laughs> um but i i hold him to a high regard i think liam's special and i think he's new zealand's best prospect for years but and if two year last year if you would ask me who was better between he and his teammate logan Sargent, I don't like spelling out the answer. <laughs> it's you know, Logan is a is a mighty quick driver. Mm. I think some certain Insta posts probably don't give much of a liking to some people. Yeah. Um, and I understand that, 
Um, but uh, trust me, I do. But I try and, and especially with the platform I have, I try and make sure that I view everything as just how they are as racing drivers. And how Logan is as a racing driver is he's bloody fast. And so in terms of an American driver who has come in with the most potential, I haven't seen someone this good, an American Formula 1 come in as much potential um, full-time. I should preface that because Alex Rossi way deserved a better shot than he ever got at Marussia. Um, but in, Michael Andretti came in with, with a lot of expectation and floundered at the feet of Senna, which you can make your minds up as regards to what happened there. But before that, it was uh, Mario Andretti. Humongous gaps for Americans in Formula One. Yeah, I was going to say, um, we're having to go right back into history. For having this. to go right back. Because you had Mario, you had Eddie Cheever, who sort of, was the weirdest American in the world and that he pretty much was Italian. Um, then you had Michael Andretti who, you know, he was IndyCar champion. He was regarded as one of the fastest drivers in the world in pure pace. He was beating his father in the, in the, in the IndyCar scene. I'm forgetting how to say Indy there. Um, then he came in and just <laughs> didn't quite get to grips with it. You know, him not wanting to live in Europe probably had a hand in that. Uh, also having a hand in that is that they had Mika Hacken in the reserve drives. They're like, we like <laughs> this, kids. Um, then they got rid of him. We didn't have an American until Scott Speed. And that went extremely well. Then after Alex Rossi and now Logan Sargent. It's boggling how we never have American drivers you know, in the sport. But yeah. what we do want is one that's fast, that gets in based on the merit of their results. Yeah. And Logan is that guy. He's a quick, quick guy. So I don't think Williams have a lot of excuses this year. You know, you could you could say last year that Albon was still sort of getting into the groove, a little bit rusty. Didn't really show that. His appendix blew up. Yeah. We'll, we'll give him, We'll let him off. Yeah, almost. <laughs> he almost died. Yeah. Um. But and you can also say that they also had the added. Uh, handicap of having Latifi as one of their drivers, as evidence when DeFries came in and got points immediately. Um, but this year, Albon, who's now in with Williams, understands the team, understands yeah. the car, uh, is race ready, obviously. And Logan Sargent, who's you know going to be coming in wanting a, a point to prove and full of that um, red, white, and blue patriotism and all that other stuff, you know, like. Williams have got a very exciting prospect of Definitely. team on their hands here. Yeah, I think Logan's probably going to be... Um, Logan will probably throw up a surprise result or two, you know, this year. So keep an eye on him. Yeah. and Got huge reps in him. I think it's important as well. Um, he's quite marketable at the moment because F1 is obviously trying to expand to the American market. Um, they're, you know... Free races this year in the US. Um, so having an American driver on team is obviously going to attract a lot of attention, especially with this big new audience coming in. Um, so I sense he's going to end up having quite a lot of fans with this new fan base. Um, and then 
if the time comes where he's leaving Williams, that might potentially get other teams considering having a look at him a bit more because he's going to have more hype around him. He's going to have more support. Um, so that's definitely something to consider as well. Was it 2020? We had three three rookies that year, and it was 19? sort of... It was 20, I believe. Who were the rookies? 21, sorry, 21. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Um... We? And uh, we went. We went into. We went into that season, and we sort of thought about how those rookies were going to do. Um, trying to think who the rookies and, were. Now. So we had Sonoda, <clears throat> Mick, and uh, the Mazepin. other one. Uh, yes. Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I think like if we went when we went into that season, what did we think Yuki was going to do? I think. A lot of us um, had high expectations for him. I was erring on the side of caution because uh, he had great years in F3 and F2, but in the two series that he had where he was direct teammates with Liam Lawson, Liam won the battle. I'm not I'm not trying to say Liam should have been in there or whatever the heck. It's just that <laughs> I was like, mm, okay, what's going on here? Um and so he came in, uh, in that first race, he did bloody well. But I kept on hearing, like, oh, he's best rookie in years. Like, calm down. It's one race, mate. Yeah. It's, um, so you've got to give these rookies some time for, for sure. But again, you think of the expectation that Yuki had going into that year um, and where he is now, where he's into his third year now. And if you ask the general consensus people around are saying that he's effectively driving for his seats like i don't think we would have been thinking that would have been the case so it's a total unknown as to what's going to happen and personally i thought mazepin would at least put up a fight not in that way i realized what yeah, i just said i mean um it's... but like it's you know like but he came in and there were just things that were that that Mercedes test could not teach him yeah and completely floundered um and started blaming the equipment which every racing driver does but it's just like yeah. it was just finding new things to blame about why he's not up there and I think you know if I would look back on how I thought those rookies were going to do in 2021 and how they actually fared totally different yeah. to how it actually played out so that's why when i have a look at piastri and sergeant i'm like i'm not gonna jinx these kids yeah <laughs> i think as well um you mentioned mazepin not really putting up a fight um it, it kind of sucked for schumacher as well because it felt like that was almost a wasted year for him he didn't have a teammate he could learn from realistically yeah he didn't have yeah. an experienced teammate at all it's not like they were at the same level and could kind of learn off each other. It's not like he had anyone to look up to. He was just kind of thrown yeah. into this back marker car, no opportunities to overtake, basically just being lapped every race. Um, so hmm. I basically count last year as his rookie season, like his proper rookie season. Um, it was strange. Yeah. Like it was just, it was a very strange thing to do to chuck two rookies in. Like I think they probably had the mindset of. It's the last year we're going to have this car and we've already effectively driven it last year. We can get away with it. Um, 
they didn't. didn't pan it did not pan out that way it was it was a strange thing to do but probably was more an indicator of just how much they needed the money so yeah uh, I, I don't know i don't i don't look at gene haas with very glowing eyes compared to michael andretti for example but yeah it's it, like, like i said though sometimes you are dealt a hard hand in formula one yeah. like circumstances just differ so who know who knows really um how either of these guys are going to do i'm just giving my best sort of <laughs> you know my best guesses none of us f1 youtubers have a crystal ball if we say we do we're lying <laughs> but yeah we could just we could just use past form to sort of give us the best guess as to how they're going to do so i guess for sergeant like i said he'll be good he'll prove his worth piastri i can't decide but it's going to be either extreme so and that leaves us times. with the last rookie um coming up this year nick debris oh <laughs> i almost forgot about him <laughs> how did i almost forget about this guy well, yeah, he's he's short. Maybe you didn't see him. Oh, I definitely saw him. <laughs> I saw him the week after I called him Nick DeFleas. Oh. So <laughs> I I frauded my way into the Spa Grand Prix paddock. Oh, my goodness. Um, and uh, we were there courtesy of the Aston Martin Formula One team. Ironic, given my past dealings with the Stroll family. Um, and I was just thinking, okay, I'm in the Formula One paddock. Last thing I want to do is see someone who I've slandered. Namely, Lance, Big Daddy, or Nick DeFries. Walk into the Aston Martin motorhome, Nick DeFries is right there. Oh, no. I'm like, hey, hey, hey. It's like, hey. It's just, just like, this is unbelievably awkward. Did he recognize and you? Given the expression on his face... Uh, when I told him what he, <laughs> what I did for a living, uh oh, <laughs> he either didn't know what YouTube was, yeah, or he knew what I said. <laughs> so it's it either it's either one of them. But I guess you know, might as well get into it here. Okay. Uh, his Williams drive was fantastic. You know, I know he did the FP one FP one session yeah. for. Uh, I did want to say actually, was it Aston? You mentioned Latifi and Monza. I do want to say Monza was like Williams' strongest track of the year, basically, in terms of... Because they had yeah. a lot of straight line speed. And I'm forever upset that Alex Albon did not get the chance to race in that race. Like, that would have... That could have been big points. Because if De Vries, who's just stepped into the car, could pull off... Was it ninth? Like, imagine hmm. what Albon could have done. It... I mean, yeah, he was he was pretty race fit, though. Nick, yeah. He did a lot of running. He did the FP1 session for... Aston, yes. I think it I was. Think he did several for different teams, didn't he? Well, yeah, yeah but for that, but for that, yeah. um, yeah, for that, for that um round, he did do FP one as well. So yes. it wasn't as if he was coming in uh, greener than goose crap. You know, he, he sort of understood <laughs> where the braking markers were, how the track conditions were. You know, like is there a new bump at the second Lesmo this weekend? Um, like all that, all that stuff. So yeah, it's went a bit better than probably should have um i'm not too sure it was an indicator of you know the williams pace so to speak but probably more an indicator of just like the tv just as much as the guy's nice like not cut out for it i don't know but you know still the getting a shot 
I'm not overly crazy on the dude, but he's, you know, in the one test that he had to prove his worth, he did it, you know? So, yeah. and I think even though, yeah, even though I'm hearing Marco's got a bit of buyer's remorse, see, uh, seeing as how he looked up the Wikipedia article for the Abu Dhabi F2 round, I was like, oh, Liam won a race. It's like, yeah, you didn't see a season where his engine kept on blowing up. And you're looking at the last round results, and now you're seeing that he could drive. I don't know. Like, it's it did seem a bit of a knee jerk reaction to sign him in some respects. Yeah. Um, it does sound like it's another edition of the Josh Ravel Sour Hour, and that Liam <laughs> did not get the role. Um, oh dear. It's but like still he's there, and I think if anyone in that team's got uh, got to be fearing for their seat, it's more Yuki than Nick. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, Nick's got to have a chance to prove himself here. Alpha Terry don't particularly favor either driver, so benefit of not really, you know, having any conflict there. It's going to be a really interesting pair at Alpha Tauri because you've got Yuki, who's younger, less experienced in terms of racing in general, but more experienced in F1, against Nick DeVries, who's, you know, Formula E world champion, Formula 2 champion. He's got other racing credentials but it's just a matter of how that's going to translate to formula one and i guess i should mention as well his formula two i guess field wasn't that competitive it's not like he had much competition then there were a few good drivers in there but nothing like what maybe george 2019 Russell. uh was the championship yeah. year 2019 who was vice champion that year that was latifi i believe I, off the top of my head i would say latifi yeah yeah it was so, <laughs> so... It says enough about that feels um yeah but it isn't it isn't it will be interesting to see how it all goes um i i, I don't know he's such it's unfortunate he's such an afterthought of all these three rookies unfortunately see for me he's which, the most you know, exciting one <laughs> It's like to me, uh, compared to these other two, he's the afterthought, which means he'll probably end up being the most impressive rookie this year. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Generally, See, how that works. I met DeVries last summer just before the London E Prix. Um, they had a meet and greet in London, and I, I happened to be in London a day early for the E Prix, so I was like, yes, let's go. Um, I'd, I'd not met the guy before, um, and I've, I had a pack of Haribos, um, and I thought, oh, I'll give give them to Nick and he loved it he got so excited and he was so nice to me like he was he was just so kind and friendly and ever since then I've just been the biggest of Reese fan not necessarily for his race racecraft because I'll admit you know he's a little bit um aggressive sometimes you know he has a bit of a he likes to send it sometimes a little bit too hard and honestly I was so convinced he was going to crash at Monza in the first corner, I thought he was just going to send it too hard and take someone out and embarrass himself, but he didn't. Because that's another thing. Formula E, you can you can get a bit, you know, you can push and shove a bit. Um, you know, it's it's something you can actually do there. Formula One, very open wheels. You know, it's it's not that um, the cars yeah, are a lot it, more delicate. It is a it is a different style of driving especially on those circuits of formula e, you do need to be aggressive you do need to sort of assert yourself there yeah. uh in formula one totally different 
No, they're two totally different styles of driving and racing. So, yeah, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with a bit of aggression every now and yeah. again. Just don't break test people. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be interesting, though, seeing how his almost different skills are going to... I don't know the word, but how it's going to mesh with the rest of the F1 grid. Like, he's going to be more aggressive, probably, and maybe a bit more risky, and that could just as easily pay off as it might not pay off. So, you know, we might see some crashes that are completely his fault. We might also see some absolutely stellar overtakes, so it really could go either way for De Vries, which is exciting. That's why I'm so excited, and I think Alpha Tauri is just such an exciting pairing this year because, you know, Yuki's kind of fighting for his seat. De Vries is fighting to, like, establish himself. It's kind of complete opposite stories and i'm just so excited to see how it's gonna go so mm. yeah <laughs> cool yeah i i, I don't I, I don't know like there are some there are some excited i don't know if there's any one driver on that grid right now that i don't think actually deserves to be there and i say that knowing what i've said before about lance but at least he's sort of he's you know he's, he's 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 competent you know, yeah. I think is is a nice way to put. It. He's he's competent. Apart from yeah. that, there's yeah, there's a lot of world class talent on that grid right now. A lot of really damn good drivers. So yeah, it's, it's not it's nice to be able to look at a grid and be like, I don't really have a problem with any of them. Yeah, you know, definitely. And I think that's why it's going to be really interesting to see how everyone does because it's not like it's not like we have a cannon fodder driver. If that makes sense, it's not like I'll just get that one out. It's going to be very much the Hunger Games kind of situation. <laughs> Someone's got to go at some point. Who will it be? Mm. Um, yeah, I, I guess we've pretty much covered everything. Um, is there anything else that we might have missed that you wanted to bring up? I don't really know. Like, yeah, no idea. I guess anything that is in my mind, I just save for my own predictions video, I guess. Okay, but, I'll ask you, do you yeah. have non-related to anything we've talked about so far do you have a spicy prediction for this year in formula one yes lance stroll gonna win another race he's not <laughs> so, won a race no nah. uh, he's technically won a grand prix the new zealand grand prix oh, it's a grand go. prix <laughs> <laughs> no um, okay like le legit legitimate prediction yeah um leclerc leclerc will be world champion Ooh, okay. this time this time all right well if in before and happens... Ma before max wins 25 out of the 23 races this year <laughs> roll back the footage <laughs> no i won't use it against you i promise but if you get it right no. i will definitely give you credit for that one you heard it here first you did <laughs> we maybe f1 youtubers do have a crystal ball after all <laughs> oh no i won't go that far no way it's just all down to pure blind luck <laughs> okay my spicy prediction um don't laugh at me, please. Is that Stroll is going to beat Alonso in the standings? Oh, jeez. Yeah. That is. Yeah. <laughs> that is interesting. But although. You can see, if he finds, you can see if, the logic. Kind of. I don't know. He's had multiple <laughs> failures with Honda engines. He's had multiple failures with Renault engines. He's going in with Mercedes engines. Maybe make it three for three. Woo. Who knows? <laughs> 
but yeah, like uh, I don't know. Lance is a little bit underappreciated. I mean, he's not fast, fast, but he is an underappreciated uh, talent. Yeah. And yeah, so who who knows? I I said George would beat Lewis last year in the standings, even though if you would have asked me who the who the better of the two drivers is, it's not it's, George. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just said he'd beat him in some way, shape, or form, and he did. So yeah. who knows? That's the thing you can never tell until it actually happens. Um, yeah, I guess just excited to see how it all plays out now. And I will definitely watch this video back after the season <laughs> <laughs> and have a good laugh at us um, and how we tried our best to predict. And surely to, to our future selves and everyone who's seen the season who might be looking back on this video, I apologise. <laughs> for these predictions um but you know we may also have got some things right take a shot in the dark you'll eventually hit some targets um so exactly. yeah if you made it this far thank you so much for watching um do subscribe to josh rebel you probably are already um so subscribe not, to me instead. So. <laughs> no exactly subscribe to him subscribe to me and be sure to leave a like if you enjoyed it.